2: This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.
3: This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams.
2: Women to Watch,
4: sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for
0: those frightened children who want peace, it is for those voiceless children who want change
4: be inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams
5: true philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given
4: now women to watch
2: here's your host sue rocco
3: Hello, everyone,
0: and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm so excited uh, for this evening's show. I'm actually recording in front of a live audience at the Historic Union League in Philadelphia. And um, in just a few moments, I'm going to be joined by Judy Von Seldenek, the founder and current chairman of Diversified Search, uh, based here in Philadelphia, and she'll be with me in just a minute. Be sure to stay with us during the breaks to hear from our exclusive watch team of on-air contributors uh, from Jefferson University Hospital, Tivity Health, Pathways Consulting, Fortis Wealth, and Hanadi Shahabedin for diversity. And if you miss the show any week, um, you can go to our website at womentowatch.net and listen to the podcast, and be sure to sign up for our newsletter. Um, You'll see our digital spotlights there and our amazing lineup of guests uh, that we have scheduled through March at this point. So now I'm very honored and excited to have the opportunity to interview Judy von Seldenek, again, the founder and chairman of Diversified Search. Welcome to the show. Thank
5: you, Sue. nice to be here.
0: Um, I was introduced to you by a mutual friend, and I, of course, did some digging. Um, one of my favorite parts of my job is my homework and research <laughs> on my guests. And you've been named one of the world's most influential women in the executive search industry by uh, Businessweek. And my intent tonight is to find out how and why you did that. Um, So I'd love to hear just a little bit about your upbringing in the South.
5: Um, Well, you know, the reason I get that designation is because um, there are not many women around my age nowadays in our industry. So um, I'm I'm very grateful for that. But um, I was born and raised in High Point, North Carolina. I I usually am not very forthcoming about my age, but as I grow older, I'm trying to um, accept that maybe there's, you you know, some um, dignity and positiveness in that. Mm -hmm. So I was born uh, and grew up in the 50s in High Point, North Carolina, very much a tomboy, one of three children, the oldest. And uh, my dad was a salesman for 3M Company, and my mother, her name was Happy, and she was the most wonderful mother anybody could ever have. And um, my dad was gone all week, and she was stuck with three children, and so we uh, we really had a wild and, and wonderful growing up um, in North Carolina. And um, I. Um, F- wasn't didn't do too well in school, but I, ha- I played lots of sports, had lots of friends, and um, was always getting into mischief. Used to sneak the car out <laughs> at night when my sweet grandmother was babysitting. And, <laughs> um, but just uh, loved growing up in the South. People there are are just so open and 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 wonderful and caring and genuine. And I think that um, is something that I've always been very grateful for. I went to. Um, My dad got promoted to New York. We moved to Ridgewood, New Jersey, and it was a huge culture shock. I had an orange strip in my hair. That's what we did in the South, and I had roll-up foam rubber in my socks. And um, I was a little bit of a freak when I arrived in very um, uh, formal Upper Ridgewood, New Jersey. And I decided the best way around this to get accepted was to um, see if I could get this this cute guy who was um, um, had he was um, head of student council and captain of all the sports teams as my boyfriend, and I was able to do that so and I got <laughs> accepted I learned early on the importance of having men support you and so I survived three years in Upper Bridgewood, New Jersey, in a high school where there were five hundred in my class and I, I had every intention of going to college. My dad had no intention of my going to college. He thought I would should go to Katie Gibbs Secretarial School in New York and learn how to type and be a secretary. Um, and I ended up getting myself into a junior college in Raleigh, North Carolina, called St. Mary's College, and then I went from there to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, mm-hmm. and. Um, I had a very distinguished career there. I flunked math twice. I got a D in economics. Um, I was in the Chi Omega sorority, which was the party girls, and I was president of the drinking club in Chapel Hill. (laughs) And I, I flunked math twice, D in economics, A in political science, but it was the most a wonderful time uh you know party time uh fun times um, just 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 great and all of my friends when we graduated they went to atlanta to work in you know, department stores and look for husbands and i went to washington uh john kennedy was president and i was i didn't know anybody in washington and i went there and you know got a job uh in the department of commerce in a typing pool in the basement where we looked at an aquarium and the fish all day, and we just typed. I made $3,800 a year. What was your speed? Do you remember? It's, what's, the what, typing speed? 120 of, or something. I mean, that's it, fast. It's really fast. I'm yeah, still fast. That's at fast. That. Yes. Um, but anyway... I mean, I don't know where childhood starts. Yeah, and well, no, that that gives us
0: a nice, you know, visual of you growing up. Um, so you went on, as you mentioned, to receive a BA in political science from University of North Carolina, and I'm wondering what your aspirations were at that time. Were you thinking, you know, politics, DC?
5: I was. I was thinking politics, DC. I I was, um, you know, I was very enamored of that, and I was captivated by the Kennedys and Camelot as everybody was back then. It was just a glorious time in the history of this country. And I mean it was an honor to and it was a privilege and to work in government. Everybody aspired to work in government unlike today. Mm-hmm. Um and so Washington was was um, you know, very exciting and um so I went there hoping, you know, to eventually be able to, you know, work on Capitol Hill, which eventually happened.
0: Yeah. How did you get that job as um, Vice President Walter Mondale's executive assistant? Yeah. Yeah.
5: My dad worked at 3M Company, and the congressman that represented 3M Company introduced me to the Mondale staff. Mondale was appointed in um, 1964, I think it was, to fill out Hubert Humphrey's two years term as senator because he became vice president with Lyndon Johnson. And so they were looking for people that had a Minnesota address, which I now had. My family lived there. But th- they um, interviewed me and, and they said, well, you just can't get on the phones because nobody's going to believe you're from Minnesota talking the way you talk. <laughs> and um, I said, well, just tell them I'm from South St. Paul. They didn't think that was funny, but uh, Mondale had to be reelected in two years. but. Um, so I started in the secretarial pool there and uh, the senator already had a personal secretary, executive assistant, and she ended up leaving shortly thereafter and so they decided to give me a shot at the job. And the administrative assistant said, go in and take dictation from the senator. He wants to try you out to see if you're going to be a good fit for this. And I said, I don't take shorthand. I don't know anything about that. And this guy said to me, don't worry about it. I can take it. I'll be outside the door. I take it. You go in there and just scribble. And when he leaves, I'll dictate. You know, wow. I'll read you all these letters. And that happened. I go in wow. there, and I'm sitting there. Uh, sweat is pouring out of me, and I'm scribbling, you know, on this legal pad as he's r- reading all these, writing all these letters. Dear Lyndon, great to see you the other day. Dear Mike, Mike Mansfield, the Senate Majority Leader, loved our conversation about blah, blah, blah. And he did about 30 wow. of these letters. And you're pretending. And I'm per- scribbling away. Wow. I just can't even look at him. And um, he says, Boy, you're really fast. Nah, this is great. So he left, and I typed them all up. The, administrative assistant dictated him, and Bondale came in the next day, and he's so impressed with all these letters. And the administrative assistant said, you know what, Judy, it would really be good if she's focused on scheduling and the calendar. Why don't you dictate into this machine uh, your letters, and then she can do that after she's finished the scheduling. And he said, okay, and that seems fine. So 10 years later at my going-away party when I was leaving to get married and moved to Philadelphia, there was a big group around and some of the other senators and staff and everything, and they're saying all these nice things. And Mondale says, yeah, I'll never forget. The first time I met her, she came in here, and she was sitting there scribbling and didn't think I knew. <laughs> that
0: is a great story. He still tells uh, it, now. Yeah. <laughs> stay with us. We're going to uh, take a quick break, and you'll hear from Dawn Zier of Tivity Health for our CEO Watch. We'll be right back.
4: The women to watch. CEO watch.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Dawn Zier here with today's CEO watch. As leaders, it's our job to have the tough conversations when we need to. I'm a firm believer that all feedback, whether positive or constructive, is beneficial and crucial to the work that we do. Throughout my years as an executive, I've been coached and have learned several useful tactics on how to provide constructive feedback so that it's received in the intended manner and sets the path for positive outcomes. First and foremost, create an environment where you praise regularly and give a lot of positive feedback. Thank yous and acknowledgment are easy things to do, are powerful motivators, and pave the path for the times when you have to have more difficult conversations. Second, seek permission. A person has to be in the right mindset to receive feedback. And a good technique is to ask permission to start the dialogue. A simple, hey, I'd like to offer you some feedback on something I've observed, is now a good time? Or are you open to some feedback are extremely effective techniques. Third, be timely. Don't let things fester and don't wait until there's a laundry list of things to address. That can feel like an assault and likely won't be perceived as constructive nor achieve the desired outcome. Be direct and specific state why you're providing the feedback, and communicate while the situation is still top of mind. Remember your goal is to make the person succeed, offer potential solutions or tips, and also reinforce with positive messages on what they're doing well. Balance the message. Four, remember it's a two-way dialogue. The person receiving the feedback should not be relegated to a passive role. He or she should be equally involved in the conversation. Engage them and be prepared and open for some feedback they might have for you. And be careful not to shut them down. You're building a relationship. And finally, once you have provided constructive feedback, make sure to keep the lines of communication open. Agree on next steps, acknowledge the observed, go-forward behavior, and let the colleague know that you're there to guide them and ultimately succeed. Thanks for listening. I'm Dawn Zier, here for CEO Watch. Have a great week.
4: Watch with
0: Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Welcome back. Um, having a really wonderful conversation with Judy von Seldenek, the founder and chairman of Diversified Search, and we're at the Union League in front of uh, a wonderful audi- audience. Excuse me. I think it's the McMichael Room. It's really lovely in here. Um, just before the break, you were telling us the story of how you got your job with Walter Mondale. And- That tells me a lot about you. It sounds as if you've been gutsy from a young age (laughs) and not one to follow the crowd, which which I Mm -hmm. love. And I wanted to talk about in 1974 when you founded Diversified Search, that was really at the height of a women's movement, I'll say, that was back then. So how do you see the women's movement today and what's happening globally around trying to empower women and encourage them to be leaders? How is it different from the 70s?
5: Well, you know, back in the 70s with Gloria Steinem and Betty Friedan, I was right, you know, at the start of that and wa- watching it and certainly um, passionate about it, and there were different ways to approach it back then. Some of the women, they were known as feminists, and they were very strident, and, you know, everybody felt terribly inappropriate uh, behavior for, for for that time and age. And I grew up in the South, you know, with manners, and you're polite and and respectful, and all of that. But but deep inside, I have the same passion that these. Um, you know, aggressive feminists had. And, and everybody sort of tried to figure out what was the right approach to take back then. But they deserve the credit because they're the one that, you know, they put their necks out on the line. They were very controversial. They were disliked, not, not only by, you know, the guys, but a lot of women didn't like it either. And so, you know, just it was an enormous struggle. It was such a small minority and it it was really unpleasant and it began to evolve though thanks to them they would not they were relentless they would not give up and they really broke down barriers that you know we should all you know I, I, I wish people you know gave them more credit for what they did back then when you look at what's happened today and it's so much different but the thing that's been very discouraging for me is how long it's taken I mean this has been Forty years or more, and to to still be, you know, having to deal with the kind of things that we're having to deal with today. But I, the good news is, I think that we're on the cusp of finally reaching, and I think that ceiling is, you know, got major cracks now, Mm -hmm. and that um, I think that women, back then, you know women, we were all at each other's throats now we're all you know united and joined okay. together, but mm-hmm. back then we were distrustful of each other, and mm-hmm. you know this was all very uncomfortable mm-hmm. and today you know we're so united in the strength of what we all do together, and I think the professional um, um approach that you know we've been that has evolved over time you know based on um you know, facts and data and statistics that validate, you know, all of these um, feelings that we've had so long. So I think it's enormously exciting today. And, um, and, but the fact that we as women have all come together and we're on the same page is Mm. what's made the difference.
0: Um, Regarding the Me Too movement, um, you said, I've seen movements like this my entire life and i feel like this problem is never going to go away. Why why do you say that?
5: Well, just because it's taken so long. I mean, every now, you know, we get to the point where we think, "Oh my gosh, we finally made some progress like women on public company boards." I mean, it's still a pathetic statistic, but it did take a, a recent jump, but for years and years it's been what around 12 or 15% and 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 you, you know, sometimes I feel like it takes, like in Norway, it's required that in public companies, 40% of the members of the board have to be women or, you know, diversity. Mm-hmm. And the government stepped in and did that. You know, you hate to have to see that happen here. But I think a little bit of that has started to happen. But, um, you know, I, as I said before, I, I'm very excited about where we are now.
0: When when we talk about young girls, and, and I think it's so important to get this inspirational conversation to to girls as young as we can um what do you think is the best way to help them recognize their own unique potential
5: you know i, I think a lot of it certainly has to start at home with the with the parents um and you know i think so many fathers you know today realize you know they want their girls and their daughters you know to be able to have a career and to so that there's a very positive male influence at home and i think in the schools today too i mean um there's a lot of uh, mentoring and helping you know young women especially you know that they, they can do the same things that the boys they can participate on the same sports teams i mean you know, those lines are gone. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that that just has opened up a whole new world for young women.
0: Yeah, we're actually showing them, you know, women like you... And, and all of the women that we profile, there's a phrase, you can't be what you can't see. Right. And I think showing young girls, look at this woman, is. look at these three women astronauts that, right. you know, are, are, went up last week, those kind of things. So we're going to go into our next break. If you're just tuning in, I'm speaking to Judy Von Seldeneck. Uh, stay with us for our health watch with Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie and Terry and Maggie for our finance watch. We'll be right back. <laughs>
4: Watch Health Watch
0: For Health Watch, I'm
4: Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Halloween! Kids love the yummy candy and dressing up as a scary goblin or favorite superhero. As adults, we have to consider safety. This means more than just checking candy for sharp objects or poison. The National Safety Council outlines three categories to consider. Number one, costumes should be fire resistant. Accessories like swords or knives should be soft and flexible. If out after dark, put reflective tape and attach the child's name, address, and phone number to the costume. Carry a flashlight so you can see and drivers can see you. Be sure a mask doesn't make it hard for the child to see or hear, especially crossing the street in the dark. They should wear sturdy shoes or sneakers to prevent falls. Be sure makeup is non-toxic. Test a small area first and wash it off before bed to prevent eye or skin irritation. Two, when trick-or-treating, a responsible adult should take kids through the neighborhood. For older kids going alone, review the route with them and state a specific time to come home. Give them a cell phone to carry. Tell kids never enter a stranger's home or car and don't eat any treats till they come home, especially homemade treats. Three, drivers, be alert. Children are more than twice as likely to be hit by a car and killed on Halloween than any other day of the year. Kids are excited, they can be distracted, and they might take the shortest route rather than the safest route when crossing the street. So, drive slowly, watch for kids on curbs crossing between cars, enter driveways and alleys carefully, and do not let your young inexperienced driver drive on Halloween. Lastly, in your own home, use battery-operated lights. Avoid lit candles in your jack-o-lanterns. Clear the pathway and porch of obstacles that might cause falls and protect your pets. Keep them away from candy, lit candles, or escaping when you greet trick-or-treaters. So enjoy Halloween and get dressed up as your favorite diva. Trick-or-treat!
1: Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.
2: If you believe that family, charity, or money is deeply important for the greater good, Fortis Wealth invites you to a highly personalized financial discovery process to help you visualize your financial legacy. It's not for everyone, but if you're willing to invest the time and thought, they can offer advice and strategies to help you accomplish your dreams. Fortis Advisors is a wholly owned subsidiary of Fortis Wealth, an investment advisor registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Visit Fortis-Wealth.com today, because tomorrow is waiting. The Women to Watch, Finance Watch.
6: Hi, this is Maggie, and I'm from Fortis Wealth. Today, we're going to pick up again with Matt Topley, Chief Investment Officer at Fortis Wealth. Welcome back to Women to Watch, Matt. Oh, thanks, Maggie. Thanks for having me on. What are the biggest mistakes you see investors make? Yeah, getting back to, uh, you know, it's it's a psychology game. It's not an IQ game. Most of the time, investors' big mistakes are coming from getting emotional and making emotional decisions around short-term events. Uh, So that's where the behavioral coaching comes in. That's a a big part of what we do. And then the second part is we're behavioral coaches and we're thrift coaches. People should worry more about how much money they're saving, how much money they're spending, controlling their budgets, focusing on the long term, having a plan and sticking to it rather than short-term headlines. And then finally, what good news do you have for investors? Well, tons of good news for long-term investors. The one stat we always tell people is over the last 70 years, there's been 12 20% corrections in the stock market and it's up 15,000%. So this is a great country. I know we're we're in a complicated political environment right now, but our last six crises, the crash of 87, the SNL crisis, the dot com crash, September 11th, 2008, we've come out of it with flying colors every time and a diversified portfolio has done extremely well coming out of all those crises. So I don't think we'll see another 2008 in our lifetime, to be totally honest. We're going to see a recession. I can't tell you when it's going to be. We're going to get through it like we always do. So I'd be really positive about the future and uh, really positive about investing money. Well, Matt, I really appreciate all of your expertise and your insights. And we really appreciate you joining us on Women to Watch. Thanks so much for having me. Great job, Meg. And you can learn more about investing in the markets from Matt by visiting his blog. MattTopley.com, m-a-t-t-t-o-p-l-e-y.com this is maggie and on behalf of terry peace out you're
4: listening to women to watch with sue rocco sue on talk radio 1210
0: wphd welcome back everyone uh, you're listening to women to watch and i'm joined by judy von Seldonet, the founder and chairman of diversified search which we should talk about your amazing company um I think it's incredible what you've built and what you've done. And, and I think I heard you mention back, you know, years ago, there was a time when you were the only woman in the room um, in this industry. And I wanted to know a couple of things. But I want to know, what do you look for beyond a resume that says to you, this person is uh, has potential for leadership?
5: Well, I mean, if you're talking about in person, I mean, that's... That's, that's really, there's a difference between looking at somebody's resume and, and interviewing them in person, which is you know really what we do. And so um, just, are you talking about a resume or?
0: Well, know maybe I've phrased the question wrong. What do, what do you look for in some, you, you see a resume and they have all of the criteria. Um, but what are you looking for in a person as far as their character? that says to you, they're going to be a good leader?
5: Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, it's interesting because there are differences between men and women, I find, in terms of this. And, um, you know, so much of it with women is, just to to focus on women for the moment, is is the confidence factor. And I, I was meeting with this brilliant woman this morning. I mean, she's magna cum laude. She's been CEFO of a of a public company she's on a major um, board of of a public company and uh, she's bought and sold companies you know she's probably 48 or something like that but i can just sense you know even though she's done all these phenomenal things there's just something there you know that Mm -hmm. she doesn't have the confidence and and um you know and and i was trying to help her um you know, just think about what she needs to do to be able to project that in particular situations. And, and, and you know, so much of it, I, I think, is about confidence and the way people present themselves. And I think, you know, having a sense of humor and to be able to poke fun at yourself, humility, um, you, you know, your character, uh, your integrity, you know, what are your values. and you know things that you can ask around that to really get a read of you know what what's this what's really what's this person really all about mm-hmm. in terms of their character right um and so i've you know i've been doing this i've talked to i don't know millions probably of women and, and men but, from you know,
0: around the world I around the add, world not, yes yeah.
5: we're, we're you know we're in um, 35 countries and 60 cities all over the world and We're in 12 cities, you know, here in the United States. We're 100 million in revenue. We're the largest uh, woman-owned, founded, uh, retained executive search firm in the world. Mm -hmm. And the most important thing, though, here is that this isn't just about me. It's we were we've a team that did this, and there are people in my firm um, that have been there for you know 30 and 40 years, Mm -hmm. and you know we're still at it together. And you know I think that the most important part you know about success and being an entrepreneur and wanting to do these kind of things is is you know finding the right people you know that can do it with you together where you do share um the same kind of values and ambition i always loved sports i'm very competitive and when we started out with diversified search we were all about the same age we were raising families we loved sports um we were high energy we we we, you know you know no matter what you do if you don't have energy and and it's not going to be your top priority you know I'm not sure you're going to get the gold
0: yeah Tell me what you, I, I'm sure every successful woman I speak to has moments of self-doubt, you know, as a, as a human being. What, in when you, ha, or maybe at this point, when you're working, maybe you don't. You have just really, you know, you're so confident because you've been doing it for so long. But even in life, a moment of, let's say, rather than self-doubt worry, anxiety, fear. Or, long,
5: or loneliness. Or, you know, sure. when, when you get to a point, you know, where there are expectations of you, you're raising kids, your family, and by the way, a husband uh, or a significant other that you want them to wish you well. You, you don't want them, you know, to, to be resentful and keeping them, you know, in a positive frame of mind. I mean, all of these things that that go into this. So, what
0: is your mantra, I guess, for life? I think we all have something that we go to in moments of uncertainty that bring us back.
5: Well, you know, I just um, I, I know where I came from, you know, from nothing, and I really believe that I've been enormously lucky and blessed, and that um, I love people. I, you know, I I I love to help people. I tip taxi drivers sometimes that they're still sputtering just because they do such a good job. And because I, you know, I just, I feel every day like I've just been so lucky and I'm I'm really anxious to give back and, you know, help other people have the same experience that I've been able to have. But you you want people to wish you well.
0: Yeah. Have you you always had the ability to see people?
5: I sort of have. Um, I got, in college, I got the award of Miss Personality. I, I wondered what that meant. And they, they I thought it was sort of a dumb thing. I was hoping it was something good. But I think it was because I just love people. I love a party. I love to talk to people. I'd rather be asking you about you and, you know, how you created this wonderful program. And I just love people. And I love to figure out what makes them tick. And I'd love to see women be successful now. And, and men, too. I mean, I've got two sons, for heaven's sakes. Um. And I've got one of those old traditional husbands, you know, that thought... <laughs> my, my dad thought women should be in the bedroom or the kitchen. And, you know, and back in the era when I grew up, that was kind of the feeling. And... Uh, Fortunately, that's changed. But um, <laughs> you know, it, but um, you know, it's it's a great time, you know, to, to be a woman, and a great time to be a woman in Philadelphia. I mean, the city of sisterly love, as I often say. I mean, oh, we started diversified that. search here, and and we've just uh, you know we're over a hundred million, and um, you I know, mean, we pinch ourselves every yeah. day. Um,
0: listen, you mentioned your sons when you come back. I want to talk about them. Stay with us. I'm joined by Judy von Seldenek and stay with us for Mary Manzo for our Tech Watch. We'll be right back.
4: This is the Women to Watch. Diversity Watch. Diversity Watch.
7: Peace be upon you all. This is Hanadi with your weekly diversity segment. Stuck in the middle of a crowded street with angry protesters in Lebanon, a mom in her car shared that her baby is scared and crying. In that moment, protesters spontaneously started chanting the famous song Baby Shark, and the 18-month-old stopped crying. The video went viral, and the story has been reported on CNN and BBC. In the fast-moving world of social media, we often come across videos of outstanding courage. A woman diving into icy water to save a dog, a man climbing a building to save a kid in danger. These individuals make the heroes of our time. People who did not just watch what was happening, they acted and saved the day. Courage and chivalry is today's prophetic ethic. Feeling compelled to help and being the first to act upon that feeling is an ethic that is praised in the religion of Islam. As we move towards a more compartmentalized life, we tend to develop a sense of privacy that could hinder the impulse to jump in, which brings another kind of videos that we come across with, for example, students filming or even worse cheering on an act of aggression towards another student or bystanders observing a verbal or physical attack and doing nothing. People do that because in that moment, they're thinking of themselves their own needs, nothing beyond their own interests, no risks taken. Speaking truth to power is the epitome of that courage. Taking a personal risk to save others from an unjust law or opposing a biased high power decision, whether in a government or an organization, is the highest form of being a moral human being. Stepping outside our own little world and taking a stance for or on behalf of others, our world needs more of such people And wouldn't it be great if each one of us said, I'm the one to do that. For more ethics that Muslims believe in, visit henarispeaksout.com.
2: Who is Holly Dowling? Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You
3: see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something.
2: Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives. And her show is listened to in 87 countries.
3: Now we're going to spend 25 minutes... On your areas of opportunity.
2: (laughs) Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, a celebration of you. Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch.
3: Hi, I'm Mary Manzo from Pathways Consulting Group. In 2019, we saw for the first time a record number of diverse women serving in U.S. Congress announcing their candidacy for President of the United States. That certainly shows progress. However, did you know that of the 12.3 million women U.S. entrepreneurs who founded companies, access to capital is minimal? According to Forbes, for a second year in a row, only 2.2% of investor funding went to women-led startups. In a tech-driven economy, it's mind-blowing that this obstacle exists and continues to be a challenge. According to Craig Newmark, founder of Craigslist and Craig Newmark Philanthropies, the tech world needs the perspective of more women if we're going to tackle some of the biggest challenges impacting us. This means that a lot more than 2.2% of investor money needs to go to women-led startups, and we have an opportunity and an obligation to start setting the record straight, considering how studies show that tech companies led by women have a 35% return on investment. I agree. Did you know that a lack of women in technology can lead to a decrease in performance and profits, creating a missed opportunity for businesses? Studies show that gender diversity leads to better performance. It's called collective intelligence. In other words, when you add women to a group, their presence leads to a higher collective intelligence, which in turn strengthens the group's ability to solve problems, build solutions, and come up with ideas. Higher gender diversity teams not only enjoy better returns, but companies that adopt gender diversity could more likely outperform companies that don't. If you're going to increase the amount of women in the tech industry, we have to start considering how we change our approach and encourage investors to rethink the minimal 2.2%. I'd like to hear your opinion on this topic. Email me at mary at pathwayscg.com.
0: Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'm with Judy Von Saldaneck, the founder and chairman of Diversified Search, a global um, executive search firm. And, um, well, you mentioned your sons, and I I read a a beautiful story about them, and I wanted to ask you about that. You have two adopted sons who recently found their biological mothers. Right. I'd love for you to share what that was like for you
5: well we um my husband and I wanted to have a family, and it, it wasn't working out and we, you know we did everything you know that that you do in those kinds of situations and I thought, okay, good, you know i'm going to get on with my career and He came home one day and he said, "You know what i've got one more idea why don't we adopt and I thought, "Oh my gosh, what do we need with somebody else's trouble and I thought, you know." oh, do we really want to do this? And I thought, you know, we both had such wonderful childhoods growing up. The thought of you know, not maybe being able to have a family that, you know, he's as great as he is, just having him around forever, I wasn't sure how exciting that would be, and I'm sure he thought the same thing. <laughs> so anyway, we went to the Cradle in Chicago, which is a, a private adoption agency, and so they ask you, you know, um, what gender do you want? And I said, oh, we want a boy, of course. And so we adopted our first son in 1976, I think it was, and then then you get they want you to have two children and so they called back and they said and you you want a girl for the second one i said no we want another boy because my thinking was the boys could all hang out while i worked and did my thing and you know they could you you know just that'd be great but i could still kind of do my thing well guess what that backfired it did not work out that way at all but (laughs) um so we um we have two sons roddy and kevin and, um, you know, they they have had their journeys, um, which, you know, we all have, but, in, and I'm sure they wouldn't mind my saying this, but I mean, substance abuse, um, 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 unfortunately, it was has been a part of their journey, which became a part of our journey. And um, our family went through the Hyde School, which is in Bath, Maine, for kids that are off track. Um, and um, I became chairman of the board there and got very involved uh, with that school uh, because of the kids. And we've now endowed scholarships there in the Karen Foundation. And our our whole family, you know, has really been involved with it. And uh, it's it's just, it's taught us so much about life you know, going through their journey with them. So I'm really, really grateful for that. And the good news is uh, our older son, Roddy, um, just got married um you know about 3 weeks ago and um our other son Kevin is out in California and he's a photographer and you know they're they're very happy and just like everybody else's children um you know they continue to make life interesting and you know and i I, I got to say, uh, my husband and I will sit on our deck in Cape May in the summer and be drinking a glass of wine, and we'll say to each other, if you had it to do over again, would you still do it? Because, I mean, we have had a journey. Mm-hmm. And we always say, you bet. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. So it's been very special.
0: Okay, I'm going to ask you this dreaded question. Are you ever going to retire? Oh my <laughs> do you God. see yourself stopping? Or I mean, to me, you seem to so still thoroughly enjoy it.
5: Well, you know, I'm pushing a number here that, you you know, I'm not, I'm pushing one of those big numbers. And my daughter-in-law asked me the same question about two days ago, and I I said, what are you talking about?
0: (laughs) How dare
5: you? (laughs) uh, I said, you know, I hate to say it. Maybe it's, I'm not clever enough to know something else to do, but I still have such great passion about what I do. I just love it. I cannot wait to you know for the day to start. And I hate it when it ends. And I've been so fortunate to be around such an incredible group of people that have built something that is really, really special. And so, no, I'm never going to retire. I'm uh, going out in a box.
0: <laughs> and I'd love for you to share, you know, there was a big story in the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer today about your company. I'd love for you to share what that you know, what that was all about.
5: Well, um, we have a thing called Lunch with Leaders in all the cities where we have offices where we bring in, you know, very important people to, to speak and we invite business leaders in the community to come and be our guests so that they get to know us and all of that. We did that yesterday here with the Grand opening at the Four Seasons here in Philadelphia. We had the worldwide um, president of the Four Seasons, Christopher Clerk, come and, and speak at this luncheon, and um, and so you know people were asking us questions, you know, about our business. And so this morning there was a nice story in the business section, you know, of the inquiry talking about diversified surge hits 100 million, and just talking about. You know, our success um, as a Philadelphia kind of, you know, woman, I hate it. It's just a group. It's not just about me. I yeah, mean, you're very modest. I'm not, I'm not, I've got, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm truthful.
0: Yeah, I, but yeah. That's, that's incredible, you know, to but to reach that number, and that means you're doing something very, very right, and we have one minute left, and I'd love for you to share, if there's someone listening, a woman in particular, who's really on the verge of, asking for that raise wanting that next level what can you leave her with that would kind of inspire
5: i just uh, uh, women you've got to go do it just go do it and don't get yourself on a swivet about it there's no today you're you've got the power today everybody is worried about making sure that you're getting a fair break and so you know the momentum is on your side take advantage of it and go be yourself, and know, and and you know, and do what you know is right and fair, and mm-hmm. don't be afraid, yeah. but be, be polite. <laughs>
0: Light and brave. Very good. Listen, I'm so appreciative of your coming and taking time to be on the show, Judy. Thank you so my much. My
5: pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: And thank you to the Union League for hosting us. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thank you so much to my sponsors and contributors for helping me to bring you the real story behind her title. Have a great week, everyone.
2: Thanks for listening to Women to Wash with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267 261 3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition.